Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Park Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah to break down Chelsea's 3-0 win over Brighton. Abdullah, at this point, I've got to be honest, feels like the Brighton curse has died with Hope Pal. That makes it sound like Hope Pal hasn't died. Has died, she hasn't. She's fine. But Melissa Phillips is not giving the same vibe. Yeah, it's just it's just not as threatening anymore. There's no cloud hanging over us with the seagulls coming and picking up our points from you know from our hands anymore. It's just <laughs> we're, we're keeping hold of the points right now. So no, I, I think you're right. I think it's just it just seems for whatever reason a little bit easier to be playing Brighton now, regardless of whether we're playing home or away. So it was a good game overall. Yeah, I I think Brighton is obviously still you know somewhere that has bad memories, a traumatic team to play. I think overall my sort of view was um, obviously going winning 3-0, basically scoring all three goals in very quick start of the second half was as pretty much an ideal performance as you're realistically going to get. You know, obviously you, sometimes you just want to blow teams away in, in the first half, but also when you're playing your third game in six days, I think it's understandable that um, things are maybe going to be played at a slightly like lower intensity than, than maybe you think, but really that opportunity I think for me like in a lot of these games against teams lower down the table it's less sort of first half I'm thinking about and more like the first hour the opportunity to make those subs and um, switch everything up sort of in that sort of 60 70 minute mark that's kind of ideal and that's pretty much what we were able to do yesterday yeah exactly I think um, it was uh, it was it was an interesting game I think on the basis of the fact that we've had a decent number of games in the last couple of in the last 10 days or so and obviously we've got a couple more coming up that's that's pretty big um it just to, to get the points and and regardless how we got them i think was was good and i think we grew into the game it was uh it was, it was a slow reaching thing and i think while there were moments in the first and second half where you could have done better, I think just overall it was just, you know, job done and 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 a decent performance to boot with that. Let's get into some of your three word match reviews then. Rob comes in with Lions Hunt Seagulls. Harry Edwards going with Lauren Elizabeth James. I feel like every time I see him middle name, I'm just confused. Um, Neom says difficult week completed. Damian Marshall says must keep. HH, e.g. Hannah Hampton, uh, and then brackets, no learning her out. I don't think she's going anywhere, I can't lie. Uh, Amy says, just normal LJ, Jack, more Laura Magic, The Grick, three cheers blues, Chelsea Sherlock Joe says, second half magic. Um, lots of LJ love there, unsurprisingly. Two more goals for her in this game. Abdullah, I'm going with patience is rewarded because halftime felt like there was... The vibe online was of frustration and concern. And I just said to you before we started recording, I didn't really feel like that. I don't know whether this is because I was like behind Chelsea's goal for the first half. So maybe, so I didn't have as good as a view. Um, But I also felt like we created like two or three really good chances. And I was just like, if we create two or three more really good chances in the second half, we'll probably score. Um, And that's the way it proved. So there we go. Sometimes patience pays off. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm probably gonna go with Erin in Kante Cuthbert because I just feel like in the last couple of weeks, Erin's just been running around like mad, doesn't seem to get tired or stop, and just wins every 50 50 duel and kind of gives us the pace 
and kind of the sets the pace rather in midfield. So I thought she was really, really good again yesterday. Yeah, I think the enjoyment of having two really mobile midfielders, um, seeing Lloyd Poltz and Cuthbert playing back together so regularly is feels really, really crucial um, and is, is very, very useful for this team right now. Um, okay, so we are, of course, talking about Chelsea's 3-0 win over Brighton. Goals from Lauren James in the 46th minute, Frank Herbie in the 51st, and Lauren James again in the 59th. Um, made sure this game was sort of done and dusted by that hour mark. Brighton lining up with Sophie Bagley in goal, back four of Emma Kuhlberg, Guru Bergsfand, Maria Torres-Dottier and Poppy Pattinson. That was quite interesting because Hayes had said before the match that um, she thought Brighton might line up in a back three. And we've seen them sort of shuffle in between the back four and the back three. I personally was quite surprised to see Jocelyn Carabali not start, start because I think she's been one of their sort of aggress- best aggressive defenders so far this season. Uh, they had a midfield three of Vicky Lasada. Uh, Julia Zigiotti and Tatiana Pinto, and then a front three of Paulina Bremer, Elizabeth Turland, and Viacri Sari. Chelsea went with Hannah Hampton in goal, Natalie Bjorn and Jess Carter as their defensive pairing, Neve Charles on the left, Eve Perisay return on the right, Lopez and Cuthbert in that midfield too. You had Guru Wrighton on the left, Johanna Rissing Canard on the right, and then Lauren James as the 10 and Frank Herbie as the 9. We'll talk a little bit about what that shape actually looked like in reality because it's a bit different to sort of how it's come out in a, in a formation. Um, and excitingly, Abdullah, Myra Ramirez made the bench. Myra Ramirez made the bench. There was a lot of clamour around whether she's going to be even in the matchday squad. Does anybody know? Do we want to do an Arsenal or a Villa, you know, feel, uh, you know, Villa feeling un uneligible players but you know what shop got done and if you look at the players that didn't come on I mean there's some decent players on the bench that could have come on but didn't come on so yeah it was good to see Myra get her first run out good to see Aggie back on the pitch again and and I, th- I thought it was a good um I feel like now I'm, I'm definitely more on the uh uh more comfortable with the squad depth that we have because if you look at the bench we had out last night it's a very very strong bench yeah, and we should also talk about some of the people missing from that bench. So there was no Yelena Chankovic on the bench, um, no Anne Catherine Berger either. AKB obviously hasn't made the bench at any point in 2024 so far, but what was particularly interesting about this one was that the third goalkeeper who travelled with the squad wasn't Berger, as it has been in, in the other games. It was Katie Cox, who is one of our academy goalkeepers, for anyone who doesn't know. She also plays basketball. Um, for anyone who wants to be excited about the fact that we've got a basketball playing goalkeeper. Um, she plays basketball for Great Britain as well as football for England. Um, yeah, the burger situation feels like a really weird one, Abdullah. I can't wrap my head around it. Neither can I. I mean, I know in the beginning of the season we had those discussions about, okay, you've got three starting goalkeepers on your books now at the club. You know, obviously Nikki went to... to on loan actually and obviously has come back now because of an injury but at the end of the day what do you do because Hannah's just signed obviously a three-year contract four-year contract Zichira had signed an extension AKB was running out of a contract at the end season you you would have thought at the time that AKB was probably the best goalkeeper at the club and like for the last couple of months you've been seeing less and less of AKB to the point now she's not even making squads so it's very interesting that it seems like the club's going in that direction. And maybe this ties in with Emma leaving. It's easier for the club to say, okay, we've got to Hannah and Zachira who we can put our all into. 
and there's no Emma Hayes there to kind of, there's no sentiment left with keeping AKB because of Emma Hayes being there, right? Like the club can maybe make that decision and say, okay, we're going with the next gen. We've got the new keepers, you know, let's, that's maybe it's an easier or best time to let go of AKB if that is even in the case. But again, all just speculation, but it's interesting. I, I weirdly enough, I think AKB will have a part to play for the rest of the season. I think she, there will be a moment or two. She'll come in and she'll save us a few points. Yeah. So Berger's last game for Chelsea was the 4-1 against Arsenal. And I think it's fair to say she's not, if you look just at her shot-stopping numbers, she's not sort of had an outrageous kind of season there. And that's always been her strength. I think you're right. I think there is something in the idea that maybe with Emma leaving, it's easier for her potentially to just do what she wants. She doesn't have to think about next season or potentially like contract situations or injuries or things like that you know if she feels like she's got two goalkeepers and she they're the two she trusts then she can just say bye like I'm more interested in I don't know giving Katie Cox a chance or whatever um I think more what's bizarre for me is I'm still not on board with sort of the assessment of Berger in comparison to the other two that being said it was Hannah Hampton's third consecutive start um, for Chelsea. Uh, and she got another clean sheet. And I think it's really interesting with all the goalkeeper stuff. I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, Hannah Hampton's Chelsea's new number one. And I guess to talk about this more generally, Abdullah, is I feel like with the goalkeepers, a bit like what you're saying, like maybe AKP still has a role to play. Is that the goalkeeper thing just like swings? so quickly like even just looking at the games and Catherine Berg has played this season she plays a run where she starts all but one game between the end of October and the start of December and now she's not even in the squad like so that's how quickly you can go from one to three and like Hannah Hampton we hadn't seen until the last game before Christmas and then she started four or five so it feels so hard to be like I'm like yeah Hannah Hampton probably is Chelsea's number one right now but do I think she could have a bad game and then we might not see her for the rest of the season? Potentially? Yeah, I mean, that's been pretty much the case with like so many of the of the positions, right? Like you, you can see players coming in and playing like three, four, five, six games. Suddenly they disappear for like, you know, an age like Emma Hayes hides them in like a cave somewhere. It says, you will sit here and learn your lesson in this dark cave until you get better and then you know they suddenly come back out of the wilderness and they're starting like four or five games i think hannah hampton's probably the biggest example because i'm pretty sure we were all thinking like where does hannah get to play when you have zachira and, and akb constantly being rotated because they need minutes and then suddenly now hannah's been playing three games in a row she played the the one game earlier <clears throat> and it's it's constantly going back and forth so yeah i agree i, th- I think it's one of those where you we could very well see akb come back and start like 10 games in a row and Zichira is nowhere to be seen, for example, and Hannah Hampton's again in, in the cave. So we we don't know where things are going to happen, where things are going to go. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, I, I think, I think more so because Emma's already knows that she's going, I think, I think maybe, you know, there's a decision that I think partially already been made in this sense that which keepers they want to keep and which they want to let go. All right, let's just run through the stats. Then Brighton had five shots to add 20, two on target to add nine, with 68% possession with an 83% pass accuracy. We made nine fouls, they made six. There were no yellow cards at all. That was really bizarre. Tatiana Pinto should definitely have got a yellow card at some point. 
Um, one offside for them, two for us, one corner for them, eight for us. Let's take a little break here and then we will get into that first half. So I think my biggest thing from the first half was it felt really noticeable with Eve Perisay coming back into this lineup that we looked a lot more, again, I thought, like a back three in possession. Um, obviously, we've had Ashley Lawrence play in the past couple of games. Um, and, you know, we even had Lawrence and Perisay together, but on opposite sides in that West Ham game. But I think that had a really interesting impact on the whole team because we sort of ended up with Kirby as the nine, but with Wrighton and James as these sort of narrow tens, but really LJ could just sort of do what she wanted. But Wrighton was holding that left-hand half-space spot. Neve and JRK sort of back in these wing-back roles. And I think this, I don't know how much this was maybe particularly a reflection of what Hayes had said about um, expecting Brighton to play a back five. But then as a result, Brighton kind of had this natural overload in midfield where Cuthbert and Leupoltz were sort of trying to deal with Lasada, Pinto and Zigiotti. And I think that, Abdullah, is why, especially early on in the game, and I thought Chelsea improved as the half went on, but they struggled to get a foothold. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um, that midfield three for Brighton, I think, did really well in kind of holding their positions as well and kind of forcing Chelsea to kind of go um, go wider than they needed to um, and 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 have to really go wide and come back in to try and do something with those with those with those tens that you mentioned and obviously with Neve Charles and, and JRK. I think for them, while they've been be they've both been good at operating in in smaller spaces, I think namely JRK. I think someone like Neve needs that needs a little bit more space to kind of done go into because I think her her best work has come in when when the left half space has been occupied by the left side of midfielder, the the left side of ten, and maybe even the central ten, and so then she has a little bit more space to run on the outside and get those final cutbacks and crosses in. But what I thought the uh, Ziggy Oxy, Pinto and Losada did well as I kind of they held their line they kind of blocked off Kirby uh, Kirby's move uh, James's movements a little bit you know they didn't allow the two ten wider tents to kind of come inside and and I think in in that sense they you know they they were really disciplined but I think what always happens in those sort of situations is how long can the opposition team be that disciplined with that amount of energy and that amount of um, you know positioning to be able to stop a team from going forward because at some point they're going to let down even for a second. And that's, that's where those half chance, the chances that we got coming in in that first half came from, obviously you couldn't finish it, but um, it was interesting to see this sort of lineup. And, and I think, I think it's, I think, I think it works. I was kind of really impressed with the way James and Kirby kept switching and moving around. I, I thought, I thought they played well. I thought that combination between the two of them, that partnership was developing and uh, you know, for for whatever reason, I thought I thought Fran played a pretty decent game, and that she's now looking like she's getting that match fitness back and getting back into playing more games, and you can see that confidence going. And now the fact that there's no Sam Kerr, and I know Myra Ramirez is there, but I think that competition is going to only 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 going to grow because at this point it seems like Fran is our designated number nine. Yeah, and I don't know how much we'll see of 
Fran doing that with, you know, Ramirez obviously like immediately coming on in this game um, and Fisher will still being available. But I much prefer Fran as the nine than LJ. I thought, I thought actually when we're talking about that midfield overload at points in the first half, it was really useful to be able to have LJ to just like drop all the way back to as if she was in sort of that holding midfield position and help out. Uh, in possession and that's something that I feel like when we're playing as a nine we totally lose out on and the fact is she is one of our like most press resistant uh, players so being able to like drop in and spin and carry the ball out from from the base of midfield is really useful uh, particularly when when there is an overload there um, I think the thing that I found interesting about this is having seen Canarid play a little higher up the pitch in recent games and then having her come back a little bit was just feeling like we sort of lost her from this game because so much of what she does well is being on the sort of shoulder of that last defender and running at the space and behind. And there was a lot of space in behind this Brighton team. But by having her forced back a little bit to be in the, the more wing back role, you you lose that because she suddenly she's not running beyond a player she's running at them what what do you think about like the sort of wing back positioning because equally charles was in like acres of space but we really struggled to find her yeah it's it's interesting and i think it comes down to the profiles right i think the wing back role suits neve charles more than it does jrk i think if you put jrk yes i know she has the speed and the pace but if you put jrk kind of slightly deeper and then you push her forward from there running at the player like you said rather than running into the space i think it really is become it becomes almost 50 50 on how well she does because it kind of gives the opposition an opportunity to bring in a 2v1 against jrk and i think while she's improved massively i think the best we've seen of jrk so far in the season has been when the kind of the emphasis has been building up from the left and leaving her to have a little bit of that space on the right. So when you have the switcher play, she can just either run at a one-on-one player or run in behind the player and has the, maybe the two yard advantage on, or the two second advantage on the players uh, up against her. And a lot of the times we saw maybe Poppy Pattinson being a little bit, maybe slightly further forward in a lot of the right-sided um, duels was Maria Thorisdotter versus Lauren James. And I thought, Soros daughter had a couple of decent moments against uh, Lauren James. I thought she kept her uh, quiet in a couple of duels. I think in those moments, I think because of that, that movement, it kind of forced Canarid back. And I think maybe just to give Soros daughter something a little bit different. I know that LJ is quick with the burst of acceleration, but maybe giving someone like Soros daughter a chance to go up against uh, Canarid, who would have probably maybe given her a little bit more to think about because of her speed. Um, I think might have been something useful. And I think JRK, again, plays more as a right winger in this team. When she goes into the wing back role, yes, it becomes difficult, but then you have no choice because the Paris a is not going to be running up and down the right flank. So that becomes another uh, another interesting point. And Aaron wants to sit inside and, and kind of hold the middle and kind of burst forward. So again, it almost becomes that your right wing right wing back right winger becomes very very isolated whereas on the left side neve still has um guru who will go in and out and kind of hold that hold that position over there and you know and, and wants to go out whereas on the right side i think whether it's kirby or james whoever wants it they would much rather sit in the pockets and then go inside rather than go out wide and help 
JRK in that sense, I think for me. So I think it becomes an overload versus an underload discussion. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's been better when we build up from the left and then we allow Canada to take space up on the right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that kind of felt like the opposite of, of what was going on. That even being said, um, going back to this sort of idea that that even though maybe Chelsea weren't at full flow, there were still chances in the, in this first half. Um, just looking at sort of FOTMOB, uh, they they gave it as two big chances and two big chances missed, obviously from nine shots overall uh, in that half. And the, the sort of big misses, I think, came from Guru Wrighton and Fran Kirby. Now, Kirby obviously got her goal in the end. Um, and even though it wasn't the kind of goal Fran Kirby normally scores, um, but Guru also missed a big chance later on, a big chance on her right foot. Where do you think she's at right now? She obviously had a big chunk of time out. She came back very, very quickly into the team. Um, and I think that's understandable. We don't have another senior left winger, um, despite how Aggies looked uh, in in those positions. I think it's quite clear why you know, actually, actually, I think both of our wingers are, are pretty important, especially when LJ's excelling so much in, in central areas. Um, but it feels like we've not quite found her at her tip top best. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think the importance of of Guru has kind of been um, maybe understated in, in the squad in that. I just don't think that she's given, I think she's fit, but I don't think she was given enough time to be fully fit where she's, I mean, at, at this point last season, she was every game. There was some sort of goal contribution coming from Guru more often than not. I think at least it was one in every two games. You would see Guru involved in an assist or a goal and, and maybe threatening the goal a lot more. I actually think that maybe in this game, she had more of a threat than she has in the last couple of games uh, with the chances that she did have. So I think that was probably a really, really good sign of her coming back into it and taking up good positions. But you're right. I just don't think there's been that that threat. And I think there isn't that complete trust in Aggie to play left wing to the level and the, the way that Emma wants her left winger to play. And... Maybe it's also the fact that, and again, I know it comes from the whole, she's trying to develop Neve into this captain and this leadership role, but then maybe having both two really young players out on the same wing on the left-hand side, then maybe becomes a little bit too inexperienced for Emma's liking, right? So it could be that reason as well. And, and, and you know, there's a slow buildup and adjustment of maybe Aggie's positioning from a tactic perspective needs a little bit more work, which is why we're not seeing her from the start as much as, you know, as much as, you know, a Jess Carter or an Aaron Cuthbert because they understand what needs to be done. And so I think just, I think by the virtue of that, I think Guru has to play. And I, I guess Emma is just kind of hoping that Guru kind of just plays her way into form by just having more minutes and more um, opportunities. And again, it also doesn't help that Sam Kerr is out, right? I think Sam Kerr just enabled everybody behind her, whether she had to play her back to goal or whether she had to run in behind. You had everything in Sam Kerr and that allowed the freedom for Guru to kind of do whatever she wanted. Whereas now, because of the freedom given to both Fran and Lauren in the 10 and 9 role, um, it kind of forces JRK and Guru, who, whoever's playing in those two wing positions, to kind of be a bit more disciplined 
in their positioning and kind of hold different positions and kind of only react based on what the other two are doing. Whereas when you have it only with Sam, it's easier for you to be able to do those movements because you can look at Fran and Canner, you know, the other two players in your line, you know, as the 10 and the right winger to say, okay, fine, if they're here, I can come in now. Whereas if you now have to allow two players to play free, you automatically have to be a little bit more disciplined in your positioning and, uh, you know, and for the, for the rest of the team to kind of function. Because if Guru goes to go inside where everybody's inside, it's very easy for Neve to get isolated and suddenly, you know, there's there's the same movement isn't there or that same combination plays in there. So I think it's been a little bit of her fitness, but also Sam being out. Yeah, I will say, I mean, just looking at sort of some of her numbers, it is kind of interesting. Um, it's quite a small sample size, obviously. She's only played 567 minutes so far this season. And to be fair, these numbers haven't been updated for yesterday. So they'll actually probably go up as a result of the chance she had yesterday. Um, but she's currently running off um her highest expected goals plus ex- expected assists in her time at the club. So she's a little bit up on yesterday last year. She's averaging 0.7 per 90 compared to 0.63 per 90 last year. Um, her actual expected assists are around the same, but her XG is up from 0.28 to 0.34. So I don't know how much of this is a little bit. I think there are a couple of things going on. I think one, she performed really well last season and there's probably a little bit of a just sort of drip back to normalcy. Um, People really were finishing off her chance, the chances she was creating last season. I think we've seen this with Fran as well. There's quite a lot of good chance creation going on in this team, but unless your name's Lauren James, there's not as much good finishing going on in this team. Um, And I think another thing that's interesting is to think about like her playing in this slightly narrower role um, having Neve as this wider option. And I think you can see that in terms of, um, if you look back in sort of 2021 and in 21-22, she was making sort of four and a half to five progressive passes per 90. And that's gone down to about four. But what's gone steadily up and is at its highest it's ever been is the number of progressive passes she's received. So that's gone from about 10, including last year, to 14.6 this year. So I think it maybe also speaks to that sort of position change. I guess the question is, is does the position change get the best out of Wrighton? The underlying numbers suggest maybe, but if she's not finishing sort of at the level of the position she's getting in, that's a bit of like the the thing that's being lacked. But I think that's an interesting thing to to keep an eye on. Um, I think we know she'll probably pick up much better form as the season goes on. She's someone you can really rely on to do that. Um, just a little chat on sort of the defensive stuff in this first half. I mean, there wasn't a huge amount to do, I can't really lie. But I thought Jess had a good mopping up game. I thought she was very mobile and I thought having Natalie Bjorn next to her, it was like very easy for sort of Bjorn to hold... Um, hold the area and have Loipots or Cuthbert drop in and let Jess sort of go and scoop up any balls that were sort of coming in over the top. And I thought it was also clear that they were more comfortable going back to Hannah Hampton in tight spaces than maybe they would be with someone like AKB. Yeah, for sure. And and I've kind of been, you know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of been good to see the Jess come back and kind of just slot in as if she you know she hasn't been gone I thought I thought she's she's done really really well 
uh, coming back. And I think this partnership of Bjorn Carter looks really, really good. I think they do complement each other the way Millie and Jess do as well. I think it was just one of those games where because there wasn't much to do, it makes it even more important that they had to be diligent, especially in that first half, to be able to to kind of stop anything going behind. I mean, I think Elizabeth Turland had like nine goals for Brighton so far this season, which is the highest so far. And so she was obviously an important player. And obviously you have um you, you had some some couple of experienced players in there. So it was it was really good to see, and and I've been really impressed with uh, Natalie Bjorn since she's come in. I think I think she's she's played better than I think anybody would have assumed, and her impact's been really really good. She looks comfortable. She looks like she's been playing there for a while, and um, it's one of those uh, one of those you know moments where you know do, would we have, if we had gone for Maya Lacra instead of Natalie Bjorn, you know would we have had this impact? And I think you can't at the end at this moment you have to look back and go you cannot underestimate the the importance of having played in the league and 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 knowing the league the way Natalie Bjorn does. So maybe it wasn't the glamorous signing that you know we would have maybe thought Chelsea would be going and getting in in general, but it just that's such a solid player. But yeah, kind of back to Jess, I thought. You know she's she's improved again, and I think I think this game to me typified that Jess has truly become, you know, the one of the experienced players in the squad, and and one of those that can just kind of come in and out of the team and not lose her momentum and not lose her ability to play well. You know, before we've had Jess come in, play a good game, go out for two games, come back, and then you you know you she lost that momentum and wasn't playing as well, and now you can see that being there and and kind of stepping up as being one of the best defenders that that we have. Yeah, I do also think, I feel like, yeah, she's obviously had a little bit of an up and down time of it. I do also wonder how much there's been a benefit of her moving back to that right-hand side that we're seeing at the moment. I know she did start, obviously, with Millie there. She has started off the season on the left, but, like, you're getting to play with Millie. And I always feel like she feels more comfortable on the right but when like Buchanan's been playing, that's more often than not pushed Jess out to the left. And I, I'm intrigued to know I haven't looked properly into it, so I can't form a proper conclusion on this. But I did wonder whether that's something that potentially is making her a little bit more com- comfortable. Um, but yeah, I thought she had a pretty solid game, uh, all things considered. Uh, all right, let's take another break here and we'll come back with when we actually scored some goals. We didn't have to wait long, Abdullah, before we got our first goal, um, which I think was a relief because I think for all there were positives in the first half, I do understand why people were sort of frustrated that we'd not been able to find a winner and past history with Brighton and also even Brighton's history this season, you know, they really frustrated um, Manchester United. Uh, They obviously, you know, this was a way, but like held City to this nil-nil and then popped up right at the end to get a winner. Um, even Arsenal, who also won 3-0 there. Um, Arsenal went 1-0 up early on, but took ages and ages to score again. So I think scoring early was really good in this half because it just made it feel like the game relaxed so much. And um, what a finish from Lauren James on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was um it was such a it was such an interesting move because I mean when you look at the way the first half went, it was a little bit slow. You know, we were trying to get in. We were trying to to create a couple of chances, which we did. But in this, it just that entire lead up to that that first goal from Lauren James, everything was so quick. 
Uh, but what I thought was just most impressive was the way, obviously, when when Neve Charles gets that cross in, the way she just kind of checks back and has to bring the ball from behind her, and then the finish technically was was just was just amazing. And I think once Chelsea get the first goal, it, it obviously it just for me it just becomes. Uh, inevitability that they go on and score the second and third goal because once they get a bit of that momentum it becomes much much easier so it was again to me such a good goal and it kind of typified the thing that we were kind of kept calling for in the, in, in the first half was maybe play a little bit quicker and then once you play once you create more chances of playing quicker you will generate more chances and in this case it kind of forced if you look at Brighton's line all the defenders took one or two steps back. And Neve Charles' cross is actually really good because it was right right in front of the defense. And it just kind of gave Lauren the space to kind of get the goal and, and score. Yeah, it's the advantage of having a finisher who can do something like that, for sure. <laughs> um, but it was nice to see Neve back in the assists. It's been a while. It's not since the Leicester game she, she got an assist. So it's good to see her... Um, pushing on there. I'm not counting her winning the penalty at, at Real Madrid, even though I know like Fantasy League would give her points for that, but it's not really an actual assist in open play, is it? Um, and then it felt like from there, it felt like that kind of gave us a bit of a kick. I don't know whether that was also like sort of Brighton feeling frustrated, but obviously we score um, basically five minutes after that. Uh, a very lesser scene, Fran Kirby headed goal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right now, Frank Kirby goals are kind of in short supply in general, but to see a headed one on top of that, I thought was was just uh, was just pretty amazing. Um, and the goals came pretty quick. I mean, they you had one and then another one came, but it was just, I think, just good movement and awareness off the set piece. I mean, it was a flick on from, I think it was Leupold who kind of flicked it onto Kirby and Kirby just kind of heads it in, heads it in behind. Um, and I think it just does it does really well for for Kirby's confidence, I think, and um, kind of just goes to justify and show that okay, you, you know, she, her playing up front is going to give us some goals. And again, maybe not from uh, not from open not from open play, but at least even if it's from a set piece, her movement is great. And uh, once again, another uh, you know another goal contribution from the central midfield duo. And, you know, Leupold is just going in strength and strength, especially for that assist. Yeah, definitely. And um, nice to see us actually score from a corner for once, because that also <laughs> feels like it's in uh, short supply at different points. Um, third goal, again, came sort of about uh, eight minutes after that. Lauren James, again, means she's been directly involved in more goals for Chelsea this season than she was in the entirety of 22-23. That's that coming from Harry Edwards. Uh, she's really going toe-to-toe with Buddy Shaw, and I'm, like, kind of obsessed with it in this sort of golden boot race. It feels like, you know, every week uh, LJ will score a ton of goals, then Bunny will go and score a ton of goals, and LJ will be back to score score more goals. Um, but again, an- another just great, great finish. Oh, 100%. And what I've been noticing, even especially in this game, is that both Lauren's goals came from late movements onto the edge of the box, just over the edge of the box, and nobody picks her up. It's like she she does that move time and time again. She holds that position just in front of, uh, just inside the box, and no team, no no player seems to pick her up, and she just seems to be able to pick her position and pick her shots, and she creates more time for herself in those moments than anybody else. Yes, this the 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 assist, so to speak, came from I think it was probably Pattinson who kind of heads it back 
you know, it just kind of loops into the middle area. But you have to be in the space to be able to take those opportunities. And and Lauren kind of hanging around there, I think, just comes from her constant ability to be able to just run into space, run into space, run into space, and run into that specific space. And I know that sooner rather than later, a lot of the big scenes will start picking that up and deny her that space. But so far, it's been it's been great to see that um, you know she's up against a more natural striker and Bunny Shaw in terms of the Golden Boot, and she's she's keeping up pace. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think that's really interesting what you're saying about her movement as well. I feel like it's natural because I think lots of people are lots of uh, defenses. Are, it's not that they're not bothered. I think it's good movement, but also obviously you don't expect players to like be able to score like the, at the rate she does from that those kind of areas um which i think is sometimes why it also sort of like disarms people i think even then there's a sense that like even if you sort of know what she's going to do it becomes very hard to uh to stop her doing it but yeah i mean i really hope this isn't just a purple patch like i hope this is where we are right now like obviously only time will tell um but it feels like she's just got so much confidence right now and she is like not dragging Chelsea through because I thought this was actually a really good performance, but it feels like kind of amazing that you can kind of look to rely on like a Lauren James goal in basically every game at this point. Um, That's such a plus to have, especially um without Sam being available. Uh, So sort of from there, I mean, we're throwing up the game sort of descended into uh, party time, play the rest of it out. Um, But let's talk about the subs because we were able to bring on, we brought Agion and Myra Ramirez on, on 67 minutes. And then sort of, we took Cuthbert and Leupoldt off for the last 10, bringing Ingle and Nuskin on. Myra Ramirez debut, uh, Emma Hay said after the match um, that she only found out she could play at about 6pm last night. Um, and But she said she told her that she was hopeful of giving her minutes if she was there. Uh, I'm not here to waste time. I'm here to win. I have to better into the squad as quick as possible. What did you make of um, this sort of first 20, 30 minutes we saw of Myra? I think that before we go into that, I think that, that quote from Emma Hayes is very telling in terms of um, a new player. I don't think we've ever heard her say, I don't have the time to bed somebody in. She has to start playing. And I think that kind of shows two things. One, the the need that she wants, the need for her to want to have a pure natural focal point up front. So I I think to me, that just sounds like if everything goes well, I need, I want Myra Ramirez to start every single game as a striker up front. She wants that natural focal point and wants uh, LJ and Fran to be more free as number 10s and and, and winger, you know, close 10s in, in behind. Um, I thought she had a good 20 minutes i think considering she's never played with them i thought i thought those minutes were good um there was a couple of moments where she picks up the ball with her back to goal turns the defender and takes that shot i think and it went, went straight to sophia bagley but i just thought there were there were good moments there where she kind of showed um she kind of showed her her quality and i think there is a good player there that i think in time you know when she starts playing with the team a little bit more i really do think we're going to have someone who's going to link up really well um maybe not make as many off the shoulder runs as maybe a sam Kerr did but at least in terms of hold up play and getting into good spaces in and around the the box i think that's good and i think one thing will benefit from myra is that she's very efficient with her shot taking she knows how to take shots a lot of them get on target and um she's a big player so i don't i think it'll be difficult for defenders to bully her so 
it's good to have Mia and and Myra there as two different options uh, as strikers. And while both are really good at hold-up play, you can tell already from 20 minutes that they're both very different players. So you can actually have two different sort of game plans when you're playing Mia Fischel and uh, Myra Rimiers. And in some universe, I can almost see both of them playing next to each other. Just it, it'll be. I don't know what would happen, but I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean, physically, I think that was the thing that stood out most to me. I think it was clear that, you know, this is someone who's, like, trained once with the team, basically, um, and that's fine. Uh, but physically, yeah, I always felt like she was going to be able to deal really well with the WSL. Um, she is so tall. Uh, but, yeah, Brighton defenders were just sort of bouncing off her. It was sort of giving the the Bunny Shaw, LJ, like, physical energy where sort of players are, like, trying to go in for tackles and you just can't really get anywhere near her. Um, I think obviously, yeah, you're seeing that she needs to build relationships. I do think you, she was looking to make sort of more runs in behind. We did get Amira Ramirez offside. Um, I think that was nice to see, but I think we maybe again, because she doesn't have the relationships with, with people there. Um, she, she wasn't as like ready to make those runs. So yeah, I think like in some ways I feel like this didn't tell me much more about Ramirez than I already knew because I do think it it will take a little bit of time. Um, as Emma has said, I'm not here to waste time. So like I can see why you immediately get it wrong because you want her to build those relationships as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's a really, really exciting player. Um, and Abdullah and I will do like a sort of bigger deep dive on her during this week. Um, so we can have a little bit of a longer chat for her there. Um, want to talk a bit about Aggie as well. Um, good chunk of minutes for her to get, and just some like ridiculously good ball carrying as well. She is such a positive player in terms of how she when she picks up the ball, she just wants to like go and go and go. Um, Ollie Glanville did sort of compare it almost to like um the way LJ does as well, and it is quite interesting. Like they're obviously very different types of player. But you can see similarities almost more in sort of their attitude. Like they when they get the ball, like they want to be in and around the box. And um, yeah, Aggie against tired legs feels like a real like cheat code. Yeah, I, she's just got so much energy when she comes on in the second half. And I think that's just the it's just a very good asset to to have. Um you can see the rawness there. You can see the energy, the energetic movement, and and obviously there's a little bit of rawness going into um go, going into there. But I, I definitely think we have a player there, and I think going into a busy part of the season and a busy part of the you know a, a matches that are coming up, I really do think that we will start seeing every single player. Uh, get utilized more and I think having a fresher Aggie Beaver Jones and obviously in this case Myra Ramirez as well um, it will be it, it'll be good and uh, you know I can see this I can see you know the way Aggie is going next season I think she becomes a much more prominent um, first team member and starts playing a lot more minutes from the start um, but yeah no I don't, I don't think this every every game every minute that Aggie Beaver Jones plays for me, I think just improves her her game. She develops more, and and I think eventually we'll we'll have a solid player. My only question mark becomes is that what are we developing her into? Are we developing her into an inside forward coming off the wings, or are we developing her as a striker? You know, and in this case, obviously it's not the latter because obviously you've got Maya Ramirez coming in now, and uh, you have Mia Fischel there with Samka coming back. So I think her long term development 
might see her switch into a winger but then again what does the new coach do in the summer onwards we don't know so that's for me the only kind of interesting point to kind of keep a note of yeah I've always been a bit confused about the not confused like I do understand that she's done it before but it's always felt like the view at Chelsea at the moment is very much that she is a winger and I also think that's kind of suits her because I think it gives her the opportunity to play within this team but have the freedom to sort of do what she wants especially in the minutes that she's getting um you know she doesn't sort of have to be this this focal point for everyone else and I kind of think she's sort of really excelling in those sort of like either wide or inside slightly inside forward roles we saw her switch a couple of times with Guru towards the end of the game um which I thought was fun I think her like her main versatility is that she can I don't think she's ever well I mean this could be totally wrong but it doesn't feel like she's going to develop into a complete out and out nine and I think that's a good thing like, I like that she could, I'm, I'm sure she could do like a more like falsy nine Frank Kirby type thing, but I like that she can play off the left and the right. Um, she can play in those half spaces. She can run with the ball. I feel like she very much feels like the mold of what um, Cobham have really done on the men's side, which is like you develop all rounded players, like you don't develop someone for a position. And yeah, maybe she does end up playing more as a striker. But for me right now, it doesn't really that doesn't really feel like where she's at. It'll be interesting to see if that does change, but I think definitely at least this season, we're going to be seeing her predominantly in wide areas. Uh, let's finish it off then chatting about this game with a bit of a player of the match out. I have to give it to LJ. She's yeah. The, those finishes. I'm like, damn, if you can't get player of the match after those finishes, like, I don't know what you have to do. No, no. LJ definitely gets player of the match, but just to kind of, you know, um, I just I'll give it to I'll give it to our midfielders. I'll, I, I mean, I, I'd like to give it to both, but I'll give it to Aaron. Just I thought set the tempo, kind of gave us the base and and really just, uh, you know, powered through and is on week on week going under the radar of becoming probably our most important player uh, in there. So, yeah, I'll give it to Aaron. Yeah, that's fair enough. Basically, you can flip a coin each game at the moment yeah. to whether we give it to LJ or Aaron. So, um, okay, so we head to Paris Tuesday. What kind of team do you want to see for this one, Abdullah? I'm very much like play the kids, but run me through like run me through who you want to see get minutes in this one. Oh yeah, for sure, it's a dead rubber anyway. Um... Give Hannah another game, just as many. If if she is going to be the starting keeper, just give her the minutes. So I think Hannah starts in goal. Bray, you can... Neve Charles at left back is fine. Um, Natalie, Bjorn, uh, Natalie Bjorn, I'd continue her at, at centre-back. She can't back. play. Um, so. No, you can't play. Yeah, you can't play her. So I guess Buchanan and uh, Mielda. I've got Buchanan and Mielda in, in defence. Just because, Anna, then you want the yeah, Everton game. I'd go Eve Paris at right back. Then I would have um I would go, I'd give I'd, I'd go Sophie Ingles, Shirkanuskin in midfield, just kind of give them some minutes. Aggie Beaver Jones definitely, definitely starts up uh out there. Maya Ramirez can play, right? No. Or no, she no, she can't play. Yeah, she can't play. Then then I would go Mia Fischel, uh Aggie Beaver Jones, Frank Kirby, and can we give it to and then Yelena Kankovic because I want to see Yelena Kankovic get some minutes. Where's I don't know gone? if it's an injury. I don't know if she's got an injury or anything, but yeah, I throw in Yelena Kankovic in there. So, so just a completely like different team and, and and kind of just giving minutes to players that a kind of need the minutes and kind of just develop that understanding. So I think someone like for like someone like me official 
you know, and uh, I think it's just becomes important to kind of get these minutes. And Aggie Beaver Jones, like for them, it's more minutes to play, 90 minutes under the belt with the team, more so than just kind of, oh, okay, we're going to give extra rest and, and kind of it's a, it's a dead rubber that way. So I, probably that's in and around the team that I would I would want to play. Yeah, it is an interesting one because, you know, it is obviously worth keeping sort of some kind of momentum up, but also you want to use it as an opportunity to rest players and give it other player minutes. I do know that, and I don't know if she was there before, I bet Harry Edwards would be able to tell me that Katie Cox is now on the squad list. And I don't think she was there earlier in the season. So I wonder if she at least makes a squad, even if she doesn't start. Um, I'd probably give Shira the start just because she hasn't played much. Then I'd probably go with Keris Brown, Kadisha Buchanan, Marin Mielder, and one of Lawrence or Perise. Don't really care who. Um, in midfield, I'd like to see Chankovic, but I don't know if we will. Um, that feels maybe hopeful, but I'd probably play Sophie at least in there and maybe Shukanuskan as well. I don't want to see Aaron. I don't want to see Melly. Um, not on a personal level as much as I love them. <laughs> Just like wrap them up right. um and then i'd like to see aggie start i'd probably like to see mia start don't know who i feel like on the left or right mm, i don't want to see guru and i don't want to see lj and then france just played 90 maybe we just have to play johanna rissin canarad again she seems pretty indestructible at this moment so yeah maybe we somebody. There. yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah i just hope we see some I'd really like to see Keris Brown and Aggie Beaver Jones get starts. That's my main yeah. like vibe. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Conti Cup draw is now on Monday uh, because they're still figuring out this Villa thing. So keep an eye out for that. Um, then, yeah, so after Paris, we've got Everton Sunday night. Then we've got what will be the Conti Cup quarterfinal, the game against Palace in the FA Cup and Man City. And that takes us up to the international break. So thank you, Abdullah joining me you're welcome um i haven't run through the table or any other results because it's not really happened yet um i'm off to go and watch uh spurs man city but you guys will all know what's happened by the end so here's to city and arsenal both dropping points let's manifest it um we will be back with you after that paris game but until then chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high <laughs>